Why did Jay-Z fail math? Because he had 99 problems and his test wasn't done. Hey y'all, it's Wesley back for another episode, short episode. We're starting to call these extra credits with Teach This Teacher podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Today we're going to highlight one of our blog posts and we're going to look at education in the news. So let's jump right in. The blog post that we're going to highlight on our website, teachthisteacher.com slash blog, is an episode, excuse me, not an episode, an article called How to Access Without a Test. Now, I know that tests have been used for decades, and it's our go-to way to find out what our students know. However, With most things, there's always a better way. We can improve our assessment skills. So I have three reasons and let's get to it. Our first way that we suggested that you could assess your students is something called an unessay. And I say in the article that, you know, I don't really know how to describe an unessay. And What I like to say is it's not what an unessay is, it's more about what it's not. And it's not one of those tests that you give out with 10 questions or 50 questions, and then you have to grade, all right? So I use an unessay after we got done reading um, a book or the play by Arthur Miller called The Crucible. Now, what would you normally do after you get done reading a large um, piece of literature, a play, a novel, you would usually give out that paper pencil test. Well, I told the students, go and create something. Just go and create something that has to tie into this novel. Of course, I gave them guidelines through a rubric, and I actually helped let them help create that rubric. What did they want it to be graded on? What do they think they should be graded on? So we had our guidelines, and then they went and created some magnificent things. I'm going to give you some examples. One student found out that the reason for these unusual behaviors in Salem was because of a poison that they might have been eating off of the wheat germ that they were making their bread off out of, ergo poisoning, basically. So you know what she did? She created a beautiful website about that issue, and then... She had another tab on her website about how to make bread that would have been made in Salem in the 1600s. It was completely filled with research and facts, and it tied into the play beautifully. That was one of their things that I graded them on, how well did it tie into the play. So here we are assessing her knowledge of the play, but in the same assessment, she's actually learning even more than what I taught in class. Same book, another student made a uh, Lego reenactment of the trial scene. This thing was so detailed down to the gavel in the judge's hand. 
And I remember asking him, where'd you find a Lego gavel? Like which set does Lego sell that have a judge? And he goes, oh, I just used a headlight off of some other set. And it was so creative. That is the kind of thing that we need to be creating in our students, not sit down and answer these questions that I have formulated for you. But this creativity, and he had to research how did a courtroom look in that time period. But what got me even more is when he turned that creation around. And on the other side was a um, model of the Joseph McCarthy um, trials in the Senate, because we had talked about how Arthur Miller wrote The Crucible during the 1950s because he felt like modern day witch trials were going on. So this student had done more research and figured out what does a Senate hearing looks like. And he was able to tell the class about how these Senate trials went. It was absolutely amazing to see the difference of the kid that created the recipe and baked the bread with her family and complete with pictures and made a blog post. And then another student using his tactile skills and creating this with Legos. Other students made audio books from a scene. They changed their voices. It was so creative and I just could go on and on and on about it. Unessays are the way to go. You're not going to find a lot about them on the internet because like I said, it's not what they are. It's what they aren't. The second tip that we give is create technology-based assessments. Guys, I think it's something like 95 8% of jobs of the future will all be technology-based, and most of them will not be jobs that we've known since we've been growing up. We've got to train students how to use technology in a productive way. Yes, they know how to get on there and tweet and Instagram and Facebook, but a lot of times they don't know how to do the skills that they're going to need to know how to do. So no, you are not making a technology-based assessment when you put your same paper and pencil test on Google Forms. <laughs> that is not what we're talking about. So the example that I gave is after we read The Great Gatsby, they had to make a book movie trailer, a movie trailer based on the book. I cannot believe the movie trailers that I got. They got their moms and their dads involved. They got their little sisters uh, involved. In a, we also did a movie trailer for my middle school class on Out of the Dust about the uh, Great Depression and the Dust Bowl. And he got his little sister to uh, play Billy Joe. Oh my word, getting the family involved in learning while they're learning. I just cannot say enough about it. So that's just one idea. There's other technology-based assessments you can do, but same thing. We gave them a rubric. They knew how they had to tie it into the play. It was also practicing their summarizing skills because you can't pack everything into a minute and a half trailer. So you have to pick out the really good parts, the climax. We had those conversations. Lastly, I want to talk about building models. When students build models, you give them those, um, again, those students that are strong with those tactile skills, putting their hands to the material, they love it. Let me give you the example that I used with that. We were setting the Berlin Wall. Well, first of all, students have a really hard time differentiating between the Berlin Wall, a physical structure, and the Iron Curtain. What better way to give them clay? We made it with flour, salt, and water. Very cheap. And they built their own Berlin Wall. I have a picture of this on the blog post. Literal pictures that my students built. 
They had to include graffiti on it. A lot of students realized in their research that graffiti was only on the democracy side. And at first I was like, no, that's the wrong side. And then I discovered along with them that no, the graffiti was on the um, the west side of the wall because the democratic side was more free and they could actually go up to the wall. The eastern side, the communist side, they had the guards and the guns and you weren't going to touch the wall because they were afraid you were going to go over it. They taught me something in that project. To further this point, they also had to have 10 facts that I did not teach in class to turn in with their wall. They had to draw out the state of Germany, the country of Germany. Um, and so lots and lots of assessment in this little project. What I really love about this project is how it ended. I put on the smart board, Ronald Reagan, which was another part of the standard. How did Ronald Reagan help in the Cold War? And I put on his tear down this wall speech. Of course, I didn't play the whole thing. So that standard was checked off. We also um, played Tom Brokaw the night that the wall came down. And then I took my students outside and I said, Mr. Govertar, tear down this wall. And they stumped and crushed their walls to pieces. This is an assessment that students will never forget. They're still going to remember when they're 58 years old, 58 trillion years old, they're going to remember that time in sixth grade when they made their own Berlin Wall and got to destroy it outside. It gets them up, it gets them moving, and it's more memorable than taking a 10-question quiz. So go check out our blog on how to assess without the test. I couldn't mention everything in this short episode. There's so much more to learn, and we'd love for, to have your comments at the bottom of our blog and tell us how you assess without a test. Now for our education in the news portion, we have an NBC article about how the great resignation is hitting schools and boy, is it hitting us hard. I have some stats here right off from this article. Listen to this. <clears throat> Since this great resignation started in 2020, 2021, 200,000, that's 200,000 people, less people are working in schools since we started. The number of students has not decreased, yet we have 200,000 less people working in schools October of 2021. This is before the Omicron variant spread. And guys, I see it on Twitter all the time. People saying, I'm out. This is it. My last day here in education. I'm done. Um, also, when they polled principals and other administration board members, they asked them, how hard is this hitting your district? How hard is the great resignation hurting your district? 15% said very severely, 25% said severely, and 37% said moderately. That's over 70% of districts saying that they are affected by the labor shortage about not having enough teachers, not having enough paraprofessionals, teachers aides, not having enough uh, everything, counselors. It's really affecting our districts. Also, 
Um, it's not just full-time staff members. They're having a terrible time getting substitutes and bus drivers. This has not been a, this is not a new problem for a lot of rural, rural counties. The county that I worked in, we had the worst time getting and maintaining substitute teachers. Um, and so now counties are already having that problem. Think about it being exacerbated two, three, four times over. I cannot imagine. How can you have school without bus drivers? How are your students going to get there? That has also been a huge problem, especially, especially in rural Georgia. It's all throughout the states. And I have a friend that drove a school bus around the Atlanta area, um, Cobb County, and they moved to Colorado and got a job without ever being seen in person. They called the Colorado Springs um, bus uh, depot or station school bus, and they hired her on the spot. <laughs> that is how bad schools need bus drivers, counties need bus drivers. We had a huge yellow bus parked outside of our Board of Education office in the last county that I taught in saying we need bus drivers. And guess what? That bus did not move. It stayed there all year saying we need bus drivers. Um, and so now that the great resignation is here, schools and districts are in a real bind. I thought about something also with the substitute teachers, at least where I taught, they were usually older. They were either retired teachers or this was their um, second uh, gig in life. They had already done something else and they were getting um, a little, you know, side money along with their social security check or whatever, um, their retirement. Well, if I was of a certain age and COVID has killed over 800,000 people, I probably wouldn't risk it either, especially for the pay that we pay substitutes. So I think that that is why that particular part of the education system has got hit and has got hit and has been hit um, fairly hard. So I don't know how we're going to dare our way out of this. Uh, I, I know that outside of our little county hospital that probably has like 12 beds in it, or maybe 20 at the very most, they have a huge sign out that says we're hiring registered nurses, RNs, $10,000 signing bonus. I would say it's time to start the same thing with teachers. It's time to start those signing bonuses. We really, really, really need to show teachers that um, they are a very valuable and needful part of um, society. And it's amazing to me that People were so thankful for teachers um, just a few months ago when school was starting back in person because they need to get back to work themselves. And now uh, it just seems like our stock with society has um, gone pretty far down. Uh, so a few more things from this article and you can go read it. It's in the show notes. It says that the great resignation isn't hitting all industries in the same way. The numbers suggest that a deep and fundamental distribution of is rippling through the education system and that regardless of what we learn about COVID and the Omicron variant in the next few weeks and months, getting things back on track is going to take some time. I totally agree with that. What are the um, 
solutions? Well, as we said earlier, um, questions are the answers. So we have to start asking the right questions. Why are teachers leaving the field? What are their main complaints? Are they leaving it for private sector jobs or other government jobs? And what can we do to stop that flow out the door? I am not the one to ask from this because as you know, I left the classroom myself a little bit before the great resignation, but I left nonetheless, but I didn't hate it. And honestly, if I wasn't working on this project, teach this teacher, I would probably be going back in the next school year. Um, there's just a part of my heart that wants to be back in the classroom. And um, my heart goes out to all of you that are in that in the trenches right now. Stay strong and let us know if we can do anything to support you. You are needed. You are valuable. Thank you, everybody. Hey, coming up on Teach This Teacher, our full episode coming out on this Sunday, we are interviewing Michael Rotondo, and I am so excited about this. Michael has over 22,000 followers on Twitter, and there is a good reason. This guy is a pocket full of sunshine. He's all smiles. He's just a great, optimistic guy. He's actually a special ed teacher out of Canada, and so we're going to talk to Michael about a range of things. First of all, we're going to talk to him about how special education is set up in the neighbor to the north, Canada, and we're going to compare it to our own special education system. What can we learn from them? And also, we're going to ask him, how does he motivate his special education students to achieve their best? But what I'm really excited, really excited for you to hear from Michael is his own personal story in the classroom. It did not expect for him to get this deep, um, but it's a really touching story. And I hope, I hope that you guys like, subscribe, do whatever you need to do with this podcast on whichever medium you receive this podcast on, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podcast Player, whatever you listen to it on, please subscribe so you will get that notification when our new episode drops about how to serve students in special education more effectively. All right, my friends, that's it for me. This is supposed to stay short. It's an extra credit episode. I will see you or podcast with you in the next few days. See you then.